Welcome in everyone to Red Cedar Radar. My name is Brad LaPlante. Hello, how are you? Sydney, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I am great. What a what a what a surprising intro that I just did. So <laughs> I, it is. I'm trying to trying to it's make okay. it different each week. And they're, they're that's you know not not going too well. Uh anyway, how was your week? It was good. I am off from school and my internship now, so I'm kind of living freely a little bit, um, which is nice, heading into the holidays. How are you all ready and set for the holidays? Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. I got my Christmas gift sh- uh, shopping done. It's good. It's been a lot. Like, um, we went to Target. Because there's a snowstorm this week, yeah, and there is. so anyone who is doing any last-minute shopping has to like I don't know if you were I was just at the Lake Lansing Meyer, and mm. the line so there were there were thirty people in line. Yeah, I'm not I even imagine. joking. It, there were thirty people. It went all the way back to where like the regular checkouts were, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. was and all I was buying. Oh my God, one thing. I was in line for one thing. <laughs> So that's the worst. It's it is it is the worst. I've never seen anything like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, Michigan State has uh, sort of a, a, a I would say down period, but you know early mm-hmm. early signing day was this yeah. week. Uh, what I guess were your and we'll get into it in a second. But what were your sort of takeaways? I mean, it was exciting any? to have some. Um, football news and it seemed like lots of positive things coming in like we kind of mentioned before I'm not a recruiting expert um so I don't know exactly you know all the ins and outs of you know everyone coming in but it seemed like a steady stream of some exciting guys coming in so positive news at least in the football realm I think yeah I think especially since people were so down on it for yeah maybe a hot second you know, it, it just yeah. it did seem like uh, like it was a, a good good breath of optimism for the program. Yeah. I, I also thought it was interesting with a couple things around like college football just in general. I mean, you have Deion Sanders now going to Colorado. People kind mm-hmm. of reacting to that, and then you also have uh, there was some drama apparently in the Big Ten West where mm-hmm. like Northwestern's Luke. Uh, no, no, no. Um, yeah. Was it no? It was Wisconsin's Luke Fickle was ha, was in some like drama with uh, with Minnesota's head coach PJ Fleck, and really? it was this whole yeah it was this whole thing. Uh, the only reason I accidentally um, mentioned Northwestern is because their class looks ab- actually surprising too. They won one <laughs> game in it last year, and now they have like the seventh. I think it's it, it is the seventh best Big Ten class so far but still like you know what i mean like they're ahead of of programs who seem to be on definitely a higher trajectory than them if anything so i didn't know that so anyway yeah we're just glad that we're not involved in all that (laughs) yeah the only thing i wanted to mention is we're recording a little bit later this week because of early signing day like the early signing period starting and then uh, MSU played Oakland yesterday, so we wanted to record kind of after some of those things happened so that we had more to talk about, and so you could listen to our episode for longer. Right. Yes, it will. It, it, it'll be relevant episode, because yes. when stuff happens on a Wednesday, it's like, what do you, what can you do? What can right. you do? Right. Um, 
So with that said, mm-hmm. our co-host today is Ryan O'Blenis. He mm-hmm. is our managing editor at uh, Spart- uh, Spartans Illustrated. So mm-hmm. that's very exciting. Um, let's bring him on. Let's do it. Here he comes. Slowly. Slow. <laughs> <laughs> it's loading. Here he goes. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Hey, guys. What's up? Um, so, uh, Ryan, if you could um, just give us give us a little bit of, uh, I guess, what's your takeaway overall from yesterday's early signing day period just as an overall uh you know what you what you think i think michigan state signed a really solid class i think there were a lot of ups and downs throughout the cycle but they ended up really you know coming away with a lot of good players uh you know both from high school and from the transfer portal and also they got the the top rated junior college offensive lineman and Keyshawn blackstock so uh, you know, overall, it, w- it was a really good class. There were, you know, some guys who, uh, you know, they, they didn't end up hanging on to, um, but pretty much everybody who was expected to sign as of yesterday did, uh, you know, and given kind of the, the ever-changing la- landscape of college football that, you know, Mel Tucker talked about that a lot at his press conference yesterday, uh, you know, it really was a, a good a good class. My dog is barking, if you hear that in the background. But I just wanted to ask about the press conference a little bit more. So you were there yesterday. Anything that he said, it can be, you know, about a specific recruit or the class in general that stuck out to you as, like, a really positive point going forward for the team? Yeah, I wrote an article on this. I think the the thing that really stood out to me was what he said about, um, you know, it was important for Michigan State to sign Spartan Dogs as in people who believe in the culture at MSU and people who who want to be there to be Spartans, to be part of the program, to help the team in any way they can, not necessarily come there because they got the best NIL offer or, um, you know, some other incentive. It's because they actually want to be on campus. They want to be part of the team. They want to help in any way that they can. That's part of, of Mel Tucker and the staff's evaluation process. As he said, it, you know, it's not just what they bring on the field, but it's how they fit with the team, within the culture. And, you know, everything that how recruiting has changed with, with the transfer portal, with, with name, image, and likeness, and with everything else that uh, that's constantly changing with college football, you know, to conference realignment, all of that stuff play, plays factors now in how you – recruit kids, how you keep them on your roster. He talked about, you know, even after a kid commits, you still have to recruit them every day to stay because now more than ever with uh, negative recruiting with NIL, kids flip to different schools. They decommit uh, kind of, you know, just it's just a normal thing now. So it's really hard to hang on to. Do you think do you think that uh, Michigan State will be successful in this? I mean, that's a really interesting, I think, way to put it, too, because, like you said, you see kids leaving all the time to, you know, wherever. And, uh, I mean, you know, it, I think 
one of a good example is right down the road, right? You have Michigan, Cade Mac. I mean, not necessarily about Cade McNamara, but specifically like Eric all, right? Like it feels like he was on board with Michigan for so long. And then, you know, all of a sudden maybe something happened in the program where he doesn't get necessarily the right taste of, you know, what Michigan's about. And all of a sudden he's with Iowa now, you know what I mean? Like you try to, avoid that as much as possible. So do you think that, that Mel Tucker uh, will do that? I, you know, it, there's always going to be probably some kids from the class who end up transferring out later if they don't get their, get the playing time that they were hoping for or something doesn't work out for them. But overall, I think this class is, you know, all of them believe that they want to be at Michigan State, want to be part of it. They want to help build something special here. Another point that Tucker made was that a lot of the the kids that they went after and the transfer players that they went after in this class is to help build depth on the roster from top to bottom because you saw it with Michigan State's team last year when you get a lot of injuries and you don't have the players to come in as backups and third-string guys who can come in and play winning football, then that matters. He said that's how you close the gap with with the best teams in the country is that your roster from top to bottom your, your second string guys are as good as your starters in a lot of cases that can come in. So I think, you know, guys in this class are going to play different roles, right? A lot of the transfers, um, you know, some of them might come in and make immediate impact, uh, you know, have an immediate impact role. Some of them might be as death players, the freshmen. A lot of them, freshmen next year, the high school recruits coming in, a lot of them, you know, might take a year or two to develop. Some of them will have an opportunity for early playing time. I think Blackstock, uh, from the junior college rankings is going to come in and immediately, you know, uh, either start at one of the tackle spots or rotate in. He could also even play guard. They like him as a tackle, though. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to predict what will happen in, in the future exactly. I'm sure that there will end up being some guys from this class who eventually transfer out. But overall, everybody right now seems very committed. They're happy to be here. They're excited, uh, you know, that they want to make an impact one way or the other, even if that's just as a scout team player at practice for their first year, whatever. I think everybody's bought in. And I feel like that's something he highlighted in his press conferences a couple times, that they were, like, missing some of those, like, what did he say, like, little plays, like, I think he said inches, like things are happening throughout the game, like little mistakes were all adding up. And I feel like adding that depth and him working on this specifically is something that he's highlighted a lot. And it's nice to hear that you feel like that he's closing those gaps a little bit, because I think that's something that was missing this past year. Um, Any individual um, players that you want to highlight at all that you've spoken to, you know, a little bit more than some of the others? Anything specific as far as, like, individual guys that you want to mention? Yeah, so we got thrown into this whole recruiting thing and pretty much in the middle of this ramp-up period to, to early signing day. So it's been interesting for me trying to figure this whole thing out. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the players were already committed and solid before we started with rivals, but a lot of the newer the newer commits uh, – who all signed yesterday too, is a lot of those players I did get a chance to talk to, um, you know, Jalen Barberin, Sean Brown, Sam Levitt, and uh, uh, Jalen Smith. And 
you know, a lot, a lot of those guys were kind of late risers that Michigan State staff, uh, you know, Mel Tucker, Saeed Khalif, and the various position coaches were able to not only identify, but also build these strong bonds and relationships with, um, you know, Levitt was committed to Washington State, and uh, Brown was committed to Arizona, so they had to put a little bit of extra time into to not only make them feel comfortable with Michigan State, but they actually flipped them off of their commitments from other schools. And, you know, Barberin is um, a kid who I've been talking to a lot. He's got excellent uh, speed. Mel Tucker called him one of the fastest players in the country. He run, you know, he's run a 100-meter dash in 10.37 seconds, which at the time was the fastest recorded time in the country. So Tucker, you know, he was right about that. And Jalen Smith, he called him the most underrated player in the country. I don't, I can't say that I've evaluated every player in the country, but I can say that I definitely agree with him. He's not highly rated for some reason, but if you watch his highlight and his tapes and you talk to him, he, He's got offers from various Ivy League schools. Uh, you know, so he's got a good head on his shoulders, but he's a great playmaker on the fil- uh, field and can be used all over the place. And, yeah, um, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to Levitt. I've spoken to Brown. They're all uh, really excited to get on campus. You know, um, Levitt had, had built a strong relationship with offensive coordinator Jay Johnson, and that's kind of what pulled him in. Uh, the Brown, Levitt, and Barber and all visited MSU together. Barbara and Levitt were at uh, Washington State the, the week prior to for an official visit, so they kind of got to, to know each other a little bit there. And um, you know, the, I was talking to Barbara about it. And he was talking about bringing the West Coast flair over to Michigan State with those three. And um, you know, Jalen Smith, he, he's out of Texas, but he is originally from New York. So he told me that um, you know, growing up kind of on the East over there, he was well aware of Michigan State, and ever since he was a kid, he's wanted to, to come here. So. Uh, you know, the, those are the four four most recent recruits that I've spoken to the most. My only last question is any gaps that you're seeing that Michigan State hasn't filled yet with these players that signed? Yeah, Tucker mentioned that uh, for the defensive backs, they were focused more on the cornerback position. He also mentioned that there were four additional players he couldn't name yet because they weren't signed. But it, it did seem like he was alluding to Reggie Pearson uh, Jr. from Texas Tech, who ended up actually committing to Oklahoma today. So I think that was a bit of a surprise. I'm wondering if they might still go after a transfer portal safety or not. But as you know, as far as the high school ranks, I think um, you know if they're able to add another offensive lineman, that would be nice. But the the three that they added, if you count Blackstock as a junior college and Stanton Ramil's going to be really good too, and Cole Dellinger, you know, he's a four star guard. Um, so that those are all three really good players there. Uh, but, you know, that, that's another position they can look at. And I think a lot of the, between the transfer portal and the high school ranks, you know, that they, they hit a lot of uh, positions of need. And like I said, what they really were trying to do is not only get eventual starters, but build the depth. So I think they did a good job of that. Going uh, back to Levitt real quick. Um, do you like, think that there's any way to uh like i know i know some some have said that he's not very highly rated but definitely has some sort of potential or ability to i mean even be a starter like in that you know um in that role at some point after hauser or you know whatever it may be um is there a way to i guess um for fans sake to sort of uh 
rate him like what would you, I, I guess where would you put him in terms of i mean does that make sense like other other qbs yeah i don't know uh you know if there's a, a specific quarterback i would compare his game to but i would say that if you watch you know some of his his film and his highlights you see that he's a quarterback who can throw on the run very well um you know he can absolutely sling the ball with some zip on it but he you know, so he, he's a pass first quarterback, but he can take off with his feet when needed and make plays that way. Uh, Tucker called him a football junkie. And, you know, when I when I spoke to Levitt on the phone, he also used the term football junkie to describe himself and Jay Johnson, too. So he's a bit of a gym rat. He's always working. And I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him because you have Thorne coming back. You have Kayton Hauser, who, you know, is supposed to be the quarterback of the future. Um, so I think Levitt long-term could be, could develop uh, in the background and eventually be, be able to take over the starting reins. I think that he brings a unique skill set to that quarterback room. He's probably going to be the most mobile of the bunch and he's, uh, you know, he's always going to work for it. So I think that he is definitely a player to watch moving forward in the future. He's, uh, he's not going to be an early enrollee. He told me that he's still got a couple classes to finish. Um, so he's going to graduate with the rest of the normal seniors, um, you know, in May, and then come up, come over to Michigan State and enroll in the summer. A lot of the quarterbacks do end up enrolling early, but I think with him it, it's fine because, like I said, he's, you know, you got uh, Thorne, Hauser, and Kim all above him on the depth chart right now. So he, he's going to have an opportunity to come in there and learn from those guys and just be able to develop on his own uh, timeline. You know, there's not a lot of pressure on him, but I think that he is eventually a quarterback who, who could end up being a good starter for MSU in the future. No, that's super good. Cause uh, I mean, you can never have his, uh, you know, too many quarterbacks, right? We all saw with, with Michigan they even had that, that problem with the, all of their, you know, they had all a bunch of talent at the top, you know, and, and eventually you pick the right guy and the right guy ends up, you know, forwarding on your offense. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I know. I think a lot of those kind of under the radar guys like Levitt, like Barber, and like Brown, um, like Jalen Smith, and you know several others in this class. Zaya Johnson too, I think, is another one who could end up being a difference maker in this class. Who um, you know was a bit of a late riser in terms of of the recruiting rankings and everything like that. And but I think there are quite a few. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, top level talent in this class too with several four stars but there's also you know as we talked about a lot of under the radar guys who could end up being good depth pieces or starters in the future if they develop and i think that there's a lot of versatility within the group too i think with the, the transfer portal players um some of them are going to be instant impact like i talk about like uh to me say adelaide I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Tucker wasn't even sure about the pronunciation at the press conference yesterday. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, he he's coming over from Texas A&M as a defensive lineman who's got a lot of versatility, who can play inside or outside. And I think, you know, with, with Brandon Jordan coaching him, it's going to be, uh, you know, end up making a pretty good impact for, for the Spartans. And I think uh, Nathan Carter at running back is a guy who can come in and spell Jalen Berger, who uh, is – you know, I think Berger's going to be be the, the lead back again, but I think with Carter, um, you know, I think I think that's 
a good ad, Jared Jackson from Florida State. He's another kind of depth piece with uh, depth piece with experience on that defensive line, and uh, the the kicker Jonathan Kim too. I confirmed with him that uh, you know he's going to be not only doing kickoffs. He was kind of a kickoff specialist at North Carolina, but he's actually going to be kicking field goals for Michigan State too. Uh, you know, Tucker said he has one of the strongest legs in the country, and I think he said that he led the the country in touchbacks last year. So, um, and, and all of the uh, the transfer portal guys are all going to be early enrollees and get get here in January, and be able to go through the strength and conditioning program, be able to get used to the culture at the program, get used to the teammates, go through spring ball. So. You know, I think that's huge. There's also several freshmen um, who are going to enroll early, too. Uh, Jalen Thompson. I thought, you know, I thought Jalen Thompson told me he was going to enroll early, actually, but he's not listed as an early enrollee here. But Cole Dellinger, Andrew DePape, Jordan Hall, uh, Bay Joe, Brennan Parachek, Stanton Ramil, and Chance Rucker are all listed as early enrollees. So, you know, that's going to be big for those guys to get on campus early and, uh, you know, kind of get get used to everything. This is going to yeah. reveal some of my ignorance about this whole thing. <laughs> I didn't realize that they could do, like, an early enrollee thing like that and come to campus. But I feel like you're right. Just coming to campus and getting acclimated is a huge deal before – you know, and getting to know the team and the layout and the schedule of how they do Especially things and getting to do that early, I think is exciting. right. And they can, and they can also, uh, you know, like participate. I mean, spring practice is, is huge, yeah. right? Just not, you know, not only getting used to just the atmosphere and the, I mean, you know, I mean, some of these guys, like, I, I don't know, like you mentioned, uh, what that kicker, you know, like, um, I don't know, North Carolina, it's not, you know, is, is far different from Michigan, right? Like right. just getting acclimated to the environment, the geography, the climate, you know, the climate of the, mm-hmm. of where the program is, you know, is, uh, is pretty important. Tucker mentioned this is kind of yeah. his first national uh, class where they have players coming in from all over the country. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of them between the transfer portal and the high school recruiting, a lot of them might not be used to the, to the Michigan climate. Um, so that is something else to get used to. Right. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that is all we have for you, Ryan. Um, real quick, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back with some basketball. Today's episode is sponsored by Nudge Printing, owned and operated by two Michigan State alums, Gabe and Brittany. Nudge prints all their apparel in mid-Michigan. In addition to being licensed by Michigan State, they also have collegiate licenses for several universities, including Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, and many more. Nudge sells polos, hoodies, jackets, car decals, t-shirts, you name it. They even have a decal for cornhole boards. So Sydney, which nudge shirt are you wearing today? I have on, it's called the Vintage State Cursive Script T-shirt. And I have to say, I really like it. It's nice and soft. And I'm a big soft T-shirt person, so it has my vote 100%. I'm in the uh, Michigan State. It's very fitting, actually. Very fitting. And I don't just mean that it fits me well. No, it's very (laughs) fitting because it's the Michigan State hockey logo. 
t-shirt. So it's um, it's good. Uh, my wife approves of it. So I put it on. Good deal. And she, yeah, she was happy. So that's uh, all that matters. You know, exactly. <laughs> um, so. Right now, Nudge Printing is offering $10 off of any Michigan State t-shirt. The coupon code is try us and it ends on December 31st. That is T R Y U S all caps, all one word to get $10 off any Michigan State t-shirt. Just head to the show notes on YouTube or your podcast platform wherever you're listening for the link or head to nudgeprinting.com. That is nudgeprinting.com. All right, so now that we've talked recruiting and kind of gone over everything MSU football related with our guest Ryan, we want to talk a little bit about basketball. We don't have too much to share with you because basketball has been a little light lately with the end of the semester and Christmas break and stuff, but MSU just placed, played Oakland last night after not playing for 11 days. Um, they ended the game with a win, 67-54. to 54. And it wasn't a great game, but they ended with a win, and that's really all that matters. Um, MSU currently sits at 8-4 and four overall on the whole season. And the most important note from the game is that Izzo wore an ugly Christmas sweater <laughs> the I whole time. That. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Uh, Oakland's coach, Greg, is it Cramp? Or Camp? Sorry, Camp. Greg Camp, I think. Yeah, Greg Camp. You're asking the wrong guy. I do not know how Oakland's to pronounce head coach. Oakland's Oakland University's head basketball coach. He's a great people. guy. Um, I think him and Izzo get along really well. I'd say they're friends. Uh, called He called Izzo up and said, hey, I think we need to wear ugly Christmas sweaters. Um, and Izzo delivered with a kind of bright green elf sweater, which I thought was hilarious because later in the game he got a technical foul while wearing an elf sweater, and that's (laughs) never been done before, so I thought it was a nice touch. Hilarious, hilarious stuff. Yes, get right into it if you don't have anything to add to that little intro. No, not at all, actually. Okay, all right, so... With Oakland, coming back to the Breslin, um, I just wanted to mention really quickly, brought back a former player in Rocket Watts, um, who I wasn't at the game, but I heard the crowd gave him a warm welcome, a nice round of applause, which is nice. Um, And Izzo was thankful for that in the press conference. Um, Watts ended the game with four points, um, and he's also a dad now, so congrats to him on that. That's very exciting. Um, as far as the rest of the game goes, <laughs> Izzo called it a hodgepodge in the post-game presser, and I agree wholeheartedly with that take. It was just kind of all over the place. Even though they had 11 days off, I feel like with the end of the semester and the holidays coming up, their heads weren't fully in it. Um, Brooks, let's start. Brooks was unable to play for the whole first half of the game because uh, apparently he was late to a couple things. That's what Izzo said. He came into the second half, but I didn't really think he ever really found his stride. And I feel like, it, I don't. you can agree or disagree with me on this, but I feel like sitting cold the whole first half of a game is not going to always lead to a very successful second half. 
in no, my No, absolutely not. No, I mean, yeah. That yeah, that is that is pretty tough to do. Yeah. Well, and I feel like I mean, I obviously don't know the situations about why he was late, but I like that Izzo is the type of guy that kind of sticks to those rules and holds those um holds his players accountable, but I would expect expect nothing less from him. Uh as far as that stuff goes. Yeah. Um Next up, Hauser got hit in the face in the first half, bloody mouth, and I got scared, but he didn't lose any teeth. Um, <laughs> I was worried he was going to be out the whole game. Um, Dude's out here being a hockey player, my goodness. Yeah, he comes out, his front tooth missing. <laughs> I wouldn't have laughed, but it would have been a little Sometimes funny. Sometimes you have to. Yeah, so he went out while they were already struggling a little bit, so then I was getting a little bit worried. He came back after being in the locker room for a little while. No signs of any injury, and so he kept playing. But I just feel like that added to the chaos of how weird the game was that that happened, and he came and left. And um, I just feel like he's been a constant for the team. So while he was out for that little bit of time, it was a little bit more shaky. Um, And my last point before I ask you to chime in and discuss a few things with me is that I already mentioned this he got a tech Izzo got a technical foul I feel like it was necessary with how the team was playing he was trying I feel like he was trying to fire him up a little bit um they had been flat for a little while and I think that was his way of like doing his part to kind of get the team back on track and it worked um yeah I mean I I didn't see the game but I was told that there like nobody was there well the like, zone the isn't there um like at all of... like it wasn't just that nobody showed up it's just that nobody would like or it would it was just evaporated like it looked like the volleyball court yeah there i mean it were just there seats? Uh... were there seats or or was it just nobody's there i don't know i wasn't at the game but um i guess you can't really see it on tv either no, and but it look. I mean, with the Izzo not there anyways, I feel like that brings the energy way down in the Breslin. Yeah. Just because they're constantly there making noise, and when they're not there, it's probably a quite a shift in how the Breslin sounds. So I feel like that was his way of firing them up, and I think it worked. Um, Interesting. It was hilarious. Well, I know, like, Again. I was at the Northwestern game. That's the only game I've been to so far this season. And, mm-hmm. I mean, even then, like, I guess it was funny because so David comes up to me, right? Our publisher mm-hmm. and he, he mm-hmm. comes up to me and he took a video of, of the is and he tells me, he's like, they're, they're not like loud right now. And I'm like, I think that's loud. Like that's <laughs> me, you know, I mean, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. the, cause okay. Think, I mean, most of the games that I go to or have been to for some reason have only been like very quiet games. Mm. I don't know why that is, right? But so I, the, the, I mean, mainly last season I went to uh, their game against High Point, which was like December 27th, right? right? So it's, so it was just, uh, just funny, I guess, you know, because. Yeah nobody nobody's there anyway so i was like it's louder than last time i that's all i know <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i am still a student at msu but i was in in undergrad i was in the zone like all the time religiously and there is nothing like the feeling of 
you know, screaming at the top of your lungs with, you know, all your is own friends. Like, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it sometimes. It's just, like, there's nothing like it. And I can't imagine coming and playing at the Breslin with all these crazy people screaming at you. So yeah. to not have that, I feel like, is a, is a big shift in energy. Yeah, it, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it, at some point, if, it's quite, if nobody's there, right, it just feels mm. like, I mean, it's worse than playing a neutral site game, you know? Yeah, yeah. You want to have that energy behind you when you're playing at home, definitely. Right. Yeah. Um, just some other points. So Jaden Akins um, had a career-high 15 points. I know you didn't see the game, but I am seeing flashes of his usual play, and I think having the 11 days off for rest continued that progression for him since he's still coming off an injury. I am hoping that holiday break and only the one Buffalo game will continue that for him. But I think he's an integral part of the team and having him back is very important. What do you think about that? Yeah. So I think that a lot of players on this team are going, you're, I think you're going to start seeing that. That's my prediction anyway, is that you're okay. going to start seeing a lot of players return to what, what, what would be called normalcy. I mean, it's not even just the opponents, just the travel in general, right? It was just so weird and very, you yeah. know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the best, wasn't the best, mm -hmm. right? So uh, now you're going to, you know, you're, with a lot of local play and, you know, in the, in the Midwest, in the Big Ten, mm -hmm. you're going to see mm -hmm. a lot more uh, guys like, for example, Aikens maybe, you know, getting back to their normal strides, I think. And mm -hmm. you're going to see, you know, maybe Hauser not feel like he has to carry this team on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think that's definitely a positive point of having a little bit of a break for them. I agree. Right. So like we said last week, I mean, you know, this break is probably going to be huge for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on to something else. After the game, Izzo took some questions about the possibility of Keon Coleman joining the team. Um, Izzo said he was a little bit hurt. I think something with his quad at the end of the football season. So he needed some time to recover. But based off the way he was talking, I rewatched it, um, listened to what Izzo was saying. It seemed promising that Coleman will join the team. He had some positive comments about his ability to kind of like know the scheme that they're using and keep up with the way that they practice. Um, so it seemed like a positive point in Izzo's book that he could be joining. What is your opinion about Keon Coleman joining the basketball team? Will he join and should he join in your opinion? So I think that it would be a good thing because, well, it, I mean, if you have the talent, right? Like if you have mm -hmm. the, I don't even care if he's a, 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 an incredible asset, right? But like, mm -hmm. are you a, at least a neutral performer, right? Like that's, I feel like the important part would be, mm -hmm. you know, your, is your plus minus, is that going to be at least hover around a neutral, you know, maybe yeah. be minus two plus two per game, right? Like, mm -hmm. Because I'm not thinking of Keon Coleman, Malik Carr. Like I'm not thinking of these of these guys as being um, the primary assets, right? Like they're not primary basketball players. But you know, for example, if the football season wasn't happening, if Keon Coleman was on the team, he might be able to 
I guess, you know, maybe avoid some of the blow that Michigan State took for having Hall out, for having these mm-hmm. players out, right? You mm-hmm. add depth to your roster with that. Yep. So I think that I think that that's what they could provide. And, and, and if, God forbid, one, you know, another player get injured like that, then right. you have guys who can step up. I mean, God knows what happens if Tyson Walker's out. What happens if, you know, some of these guys who mean a lot to the program, what happens if they go out? You're going to need guys to step in. And I think that Michigan State's at a point where they have, they have like a couple freshmen on the roster, but not many guys that can step up on a day-to-day basis. I think that the, the Michigan State had a big advantage last year in that their roster was very depth-heavy. And while that was good, I don't think that it it didn't end up helping them in the tournament because they didn't have sort of that um, that star power that you need to. Mm-hmm. And this year they don't have that either, but I think it's more of the veteranship on this team. But I think they've sacrificed some of that depth for that, right? Like, I think that you have guys that work better together. That, and, and that's sort of the trade-off for that the, that star power, as they would say. Yeah, well, and like just using the Brooks situation from this past game as an example, he had to sit out the first half. Having another guy in Coleman that could cycle through doesn't necessarily have to be right for Brooks, but like if things could be shifted around and having another guy there, that'd be important. And he's an athlete. He will play hard. I mean, he's... Izzo giving him praises is enough for me because I trust Izzo with my life. So... I feel like it'll be a positive point, and um, I think he just he also offers some different in difference in personality. Um, I follow him on Twitter. I feel like he has a I don't know what the word would be. I mean, he has confidence about him, which would be good for the basketball team since they've kind of been a little bit shaky. Um, having a guy that has that confidence is good for fans to see. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, someone who can really light the fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, last thing that I have to say, um, Malik Hall, Izzo gave some points about him. Obviously, he's been injured for quite a while. Um, he Izzo hopes that Malik Hall is able to return for the Buffalo game. He said he hopes to get him 10 to 15 minutes. I think it's going to be a longer road for Hall to get back, obviously, to how he was playing pre-injury. Um But that is some very exciting news, very positive news from Izzo. Um, And 10 to 15 minutes is good enough for me in the Buffalo game. Getting him out there, that means he's practicing, and I feel like that's definitely the step that um, the team needs him to take. Yeah, and I think that I, I think that this break was was almost you know very necessary, and we've talked about yes. this before. But like you know, uh, you see Hall right get you know, and Akins is back, which is great, right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, Izzo was kind of right, right? Like the timetable for for Akins to return was well, not return, but get back to his yeah. his uh, normal self was you know about two weeks. I mean. You, it was you know two weeks since he returned from the injury. Now two you know two weeks mm-hmm. has gone by. Mm-hmm. I think Hall's probably going to be about the same. I would imagine ten fourteen days, and, yeah. and they're going to have some games in there. But he's definitely going to have to ramp up to what he was. Yes, and I think I that agree. it'll it'll take a couple. It, again, it'll just take a couple weeks, and I think that MSU is going to have to be patient and get by without him before uh you know before then. Yeah, and Izzo said they'll be moving to two-a-day practices over this break after Christmas. And 
obviously they're going to take it slow with Malik, but I think that will be a good thing for him so that he can get even more practice under his belt, you know, before Big Ten play starts to ramp up. So I think that is going to work well for him. I hope it is because I feel like the team definitely needs him back. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, looking ahead, obviously we have Buffalo on December 30th. Um, I'll be there at the game with uh, Ryan, who we just had on as our guest. And then Big Ten play starts, so we'll have much more news once that all rolls around. For now, only one game to discuss. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know if you want me to break down Buffalo basketball. Um, although it is coming up in, in a couple weeks, so I don't know if we're going to um, – uh, like I know we're ha- we're we're um, trying to get you know uh, stuff together to talk about Buffalo mm-hmm. when that rolls around, um, stuff like that. I know that next week we will like next week's show will be re- pre-recorded mm-hmm. specifically because uh, I will be out of town. I'll be in Grand Rapids. I will be covering Michigan State hockey in the Great Lakes Invitational. They take on Ferris State on. Tuesday next week, and then on Wednesday they take on uh, the winner of Western Michigan and Michigan Tech. So, very exciting stuff. If anyone mm-hmm. wants to go, um, you can find the Munsters Twitter uh, mm-hmm. has like special discount codes for anyone who uh, wants to join in on the Munster section. So, nice. tickets are kind of expensive, low key, uh, for that event. I don't well, like it's college hockey get this so and i'm i'm not afraid to say this by the way but uh it's it's college hockey at van andel arena right so it's not mm-hmm. like it's in detroit or anything and it's the t- i found some tickets like they're like front row so they're like nice but they're like god it's like 198 bucks and they're not resale tickets either it's like a it's like imagine paying 200 dollars to watch michigan state college hockey you know, like that's just doesn't I feel seem... like that just comes with the territory of them doing much better this season. The sure, but will like I mean, that. okay, but like you're co- going to watch them play Ferris State. Like that is a lot of money to ask. You know, for well, like maybe... it's not like it's Grand Rapids Griffins tickets, which the AHL team, which they is, are very are fun money. to watch. By the way, just putting that out there, they have fun things that they put on in in yeah. that stadium or in their arena. I went there; they had. Um, Margaritaville night. I got a free <laughs> sombrero hat. <laughs> I have to go to that. No way. It's so fun. That yeah. is anyway, good. sorry. That is good just putting that, that out Michigan there. I State did some of that. Like, I really mm-hmm. do because the women's team, um, the club team, actually, mm-hmm. uh, puts on, uh, and it's a shame, by the way, that they're not, they're not receiving more funding by the university. But uh, Michigan State's women's hockey team, they have like a... Um, uh, I think it's like a, a a group, like a children's group, and they come mm. put on like the national anthem or something like oh, that. Like the, you know, cute. it's just a little mm-hmm. gimmick to get people out to games because you know it's yeah. not like it's an NCAA team. So, uh, yeah, it's. I wish Michigan State did more of more of that. You know, like uh, just stuff that's fun. You know. Yeah. Like I, I like mean, they do like the pizza often. toss. Okay, that, like, don't even get me like started on that. That's a sham, and that is rigged. I was in the <laughs> Izone for four-plus years, because I'm still a student yeah. there. Um, I never once got it. Uh-huh. It's rigged. Yeah, I mean, how many people pizza- are there every day? 
I was there every... Oh, just, I just shut, shut this down, because I could go on and on about the pizza house delivery... Whatever. I think the um the what what what's the other one uh the the helmet shuffle I think that's uh I think that is uh rigged. That's where you and I disagree. I love that. <laughs> so actually, so so I someone said at one point, and they were wrong by the way. Someone said that where wherever it starts is where it finishes. No, and that's not true because no. I and and for the it was funny because for the first time after I heard that for like the first like. Th- three weeks it always starts in the middle and it always ended up in the middle i was like are they just playing the same one every day (laughs) that's funny you know what we should do you know how actually here's a plug for spartans illustrated um we have a guy on our team paul um he writes some really cool articles and he uses lots of math and statistics and things i'm not very good at but what we should do is every time they played the helmet shuffle we should record where it starts where it ends and then we should like do some math stuff and figure out where it most like ends most often and we can like i don't know i'm rambling on about this but (laughs) (laughs) we could figure out like what algorithm they use and how often they play the same videos and then we could always have that 100 percent correct because we would know where it was going to end up next yeah pick out those patterns actually, i'll talk to paul do, i think here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get an <laughs> in with whoever plays it oh and then i, I guess maybe that's easier which video are you playing today maybe that's easier than yeah. fake doing all that math yeah Darn. Well, i do love well, the helmet shuffle and the pizza house shuffle the P- pizza house helmet shuffle and the pizza house delivery is rigged those are my yeah. two hot takes your two hot takes got it <laughs> okay anything else to talk about at the end of our episode nope that's it (laughs) all right thanks for tuning in everyone and we'll have more for you next week happy holidays